Hi everyone, this is Evan, and I just want to let everyone know that when we were recording this episode, I accidentally had my microphone set to my webcam. So my voice sounds really bad. Chad's voice, as always, sounds great. But if you were wondering why the sound sounded really off, it was my bad. And I mixed it the best that I could, but I really appreciate you sitting, hanging with us for the duration of this episode while the sound quality is a little bit off. And the next episode will not sound this bad. And without further ado, here is our recap episode for the first part of An Echo of Things to Come. Thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today you're joining us for our first recap episode for An Echo of Things to Come, book two of the Lycanius trilogy by James Eilington. And boy, we are kind of suffering from sequelitis here. But it totally makes sense because the end of The Shadow of What Was Lost was so intense, right? Makes sense that everybody's kind of spread out here. Everyone's kind of recovering from what happened. And there are a lot of new terms and ideas to learn. Yep. Our stock just went through a huge growth phase. And right now we're kind of just like developing a plateau. We're evening out. We're just kind of coasting for a little while before we start turning up on the upswing again. Uh, and I'm looking forward to that. But it's, it's been some pages, that's for sure. I am really into the way that this series is progressing in the sense that in the first book, I was expecting this kind of hero's journey, mostly focusing on Davian kind of story. But now it's become much more of an ensemble cast and everybody's kind of growing individually. So that's been a really nice change of pace, especially with this kind of epic fantasy. So I I totally agree. We got some good old fashioned running and hiding in the first book. And, uh, and and yeah, I kind of thought the same, that it was just going to be like a Davian story. I'm really glad that he's developing characters other than Davian. Not that I don't like Davian, um, but he's just a little milk toast sometimes. And he's not. It kind of feels like Eilington is just giving Davian stuff to do to kind of keep him he's busy, doing busy right work. now. Yeah. The, the, real, the real main focus seems to be on Caden, which I'm super here for because Caden was the most interesting character in the book previous. So I couldn't agree more. He's the most intrigued, the most mysterious. He's got the most emotions going on there. You know, like everyone else is so young that they're experiencing what is right now, you know, and Caden, he has what, 5,000 years of past, you know, that, and we get to kind of discover it with him. And I really like the progression of his character. But because it's 5,000 years, it's so much information. And I almost, I don't know really what to prioritize in my head. I don't really know what I need to remember and what is just kind of world building padding that can kind of go into a secondary file in my head. And I'm trying to bring everything to the forefront so I can move forward understanding. But Eilington's style seems to be just kind of like the J.J. Abrams mystery box (laughs) thing where you kind of litter information and you're kind of expected to hold on to it, but it's a lot of information. So with that said, let's head into our first synopsis. Let's do it, baby. Caden, after weeks of wrestling with the knowledge that he was once our kind to reluctantly accepts the truth of his identity. Asar assures Caden that he switched sides and in fact renounced the name Arkind Devade long ago. Despite this, Caden continues to struggle as Asar tries to help him restore his memories, catching only glimpses of his former life. A month has passed since the blind attack on Ilya and Ilan. Davian and Shell train at Tolshan and are called into the council chamber. 
There they are questioned by the council about a mysterious person being seen where they are not allowed. They both deny the accusations. In Ilin Elan, Asha has narrowly avoided prison for giving vessels to the shadows and has been investigating the mysterious disappearance of shadows from the sanctuary. She has also been experiencing fainting spells. Asha and Weir speak about their new positions. Weir is informed by a Desrelite ambassador that the Gilshar found a gifted spy among their ranks. Weir denies administration had anything to do with it. Weir and Ditsia confer about a rumor that someone wants to kill Weir. Caden learns that Khan comes from the Darklands. He has a memory of Cassandrid, one of the Venerate. A woman appears to Caden claiming to be his wife. She claims Asar is not trustworthy, and the woman calls Asar the Keeper and stabs Asar with Lycanius. Caden uses the portal box to escape with Asar, and Asar dies encouraging Caden to keep uncovering his memories. Davian goes to Pipe and finds out one of the elders is following him, and grows suspicious that an auger has been watching his movements as well. Weir is attacked by a group of assassins controlled by Siner. Siner speaks to Weir through an assassin and tells him they want the same thing and that Weir would do well to continue his investigation into the tenants and the weapons used against the gifted at his family estate. Caden dreams of watching a city called Silence burn. A man approaches and tells Caden that Lycanius is the only way to kill a venerate and that the only hope for the world is the death of all the venerate. Caden journeys onward and feels his essence draining then spots four strange pillars and loses consciousness among them. Asha investigates the abandoned sanctuary. Veiled and invisible, she overhears a conversation between a Shatef named Valire and a strange woman. A child Echo appears and speaks to them, then disappears further into the underground complex. Asha becomes lost in her pursuit of the Echo and decides to wait until she can find out more of what is happening. Okay, so a lot is happening, um, and I'm, I guess I'm confused as to what I need to be caring about as a reader right now. Like the ambassador scene, right? Is the purpose of the ambassador scene to show us that the world is unhappy, like the world stage is unhappy with where being the North Warden and gifted? I think it might be. I mean, I'm sure that the gifted spy being found is going to come up again because that seems to be how these books are, right? Something is touched on and we don't think it has a whole lot of significance, but it totally does later. I like Weir's reaction to it. He was super level-headed. I just really like Weir a lot, you know? He'd be a great guy to have with you in pretty much any adventure. Seriously. And like, he is very aware of how, Everybody is reacting to him being the North Warden, him being gifted, and he's taking it very much in stride. And I liked his reaction to the Desrelite ambassador quite a bit. But it is just another example of this kind of key moment happened, and now we're not going to revisit it again for 20 chapters. Yeah. So it is nice that we're doing this because I kind of forgot, even 10 chapters in, that that had even happened. (laughs) It was significant. And Honestly, I just kind of wish we were spending more time with Ware in this book. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he's he's stuck to the city, though. So, like, I I do want to spend more time with Ware because I like him so much. But at the same time, I don't want to be mired in a bunch of political intrigue. Totally. No, and I think that Islington is doing a good job. But it's not all political intrigue when it very well could be. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell me what your thoughts were about the whole Asha going down to the sanctuary thing. What? Um, just tell me your thoughts on that. 
I was so confused, honestly. I hope you've got answers for me, Chad. <laughs> like, I just, I don't, I mean, I was pretty confused about the whole conversation between Isiliar and the Shatef, the liar. Like, I get pretty much everything that's going on, except for, like, that one conversation between Isiliar and the liar. Like, I just, I don't understand any of that. Yeah. I wish I did, man. Like, I wish, I wish I could tell you. Do you not, do you not get, did you not get anything either from that? No, I didn't really, but I, I'm super not convinced that she is the, cause she's a venerate, right? Like an insane venerate, but the person who, um, who is pretending to be Caden's wife and goes and tracks him down and kills, um, Asar, but, um, his, the, so the pretender wife of Caden is the Lith. It's the Oth. The Oth. Thank you. Yeah. Not the Lith. Totally. That's another thing. Yeah. Um, is like once again his uh propensity to use words that sound so similar to each other but yeah she's the auth and that i don't think the auth is a venerate yeah that just really goes to show how, how little i understood that scene dude i, I was just, very I confused couldn't too. figure it out and i think that we'll probably i mean just like with everything else right i mean things seem really convoluted and confusing and then more light is shed on those yes. events the more that you're reading the trouble that i'm having with it is that so much time passes between those revelations right so like the the mystery being brought up and then the mystery being solved like there's 15 more mysteries in between those two things so the significance or the impact of those revelations is it's kind of starting to fall flat for me every time because i'm just like oh yeah i guess that's how that is dude it's so funny uh that you mentioned that there's this scene in not to take everybody way back in time but there's a scene in the first book where we're talking to his father and and his father's like telling him the plan and we're like but we're, that means we're gonna have to lie to the nobles <laughs> and like his dad's like i know i know totally unlike us and it's like are you kidding me like your entire being is founded on lies everybody holds secrets from everybody else nobody right like, yeah surprised nobody's her. telling the whole truth in this entire series yeah what did you think about davian's story down in Shin? i have a few thoughts on that one i really liked the introduction, how James how James Islington introduced us to Tolshen with them like fighting in their little ring, you know? I just kind of liked that. It's like he almost it's almost like he knew that the second book was gonna be a little more placid. So he threw something cool in there. Yeah, he threw some yeah. cool stuff in there and I like that. I really like that Davian, like I said, he was so milk toast and still kinda is, but he at least he's um he's milk toast with a big stick now. You know, he, he's got some he's got some weight to throw around, and I like that. Because um, whenever he, in the first book, whenever he went off to do anything without someone else by him, I'd be like, watch yourself, dude. Like, you're not the most calculating of individuals, and also you are not <laughs> very powerful. I like the dynamic between him and Shell quite a bit. Yeah, I keep thinking they're going to have a romance there, but... Right, like, it kind of makes more sense than him and Asha, honestly. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, we'll see. I really, really, really liked the scene because I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just we all like the underdog, like stepping on the, standing up to the man, you know. When Ishel and Davian are in the like innermost the council court, chamber, the council chamber, yeah, and Davian just like slips out of time and like goes behind the guy because he gets all pissed off, and I was like, finally, we get in some guts. Like, I want, I want Davian to like you know, use the stick a little bit. He doesn't need to start knocking the whole world down, but just, you know, swing it around a few times, Davian. Well, and their situation is pretty dire. And yeah. it, it must have been, it would be really frustrating to have seen 
an attack from the blind on Ilan Ilan, seeing all that destruction, and then you're in Tolshan, and you've got all these old people that are just like, <laughs> this isn't that big of a deal. We'll let you out when we feel like it. You have to kind of stay here, but there's totally an amnesty. You're all, and it, and it is really cool to see Davian just rattle their cage a little bit, especially at the very beginning of the book. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's like realize who you are and what you can do, Davian, and then go do it. Like, you don't need their permission to go check out the boundary, man. Pack a backpack and bounce. Go there and do it. You know, and I guess I kind of frustrated with him sometimes. Like, oh, I guess I'll just train more. And it's like, yeah, you do need to train for sure, but maybe do that on the road, you know? One thing that I was also fairly confused about was Caden's vision with that character, Cassandra. They were talking about Shemaloth. Do you remember that? Yes. Yes, I do. That was cool because it was it was the same kind of thing where it was like, I I feel like I'm not getting anything over here. What is going on? I want to know so much more about this. And it it just wasn't uh, what what is Shamela? Like what so, is it like the opposite of L? Like there's this whole there's this whole like really interesting kind of like almost creation story like religion absolutely that, that's an undercurrent to all of this and it is really really interesting like the little snippets that we're getting of it and I want I want more you know what I think these books would have really benefited a lot from is just if we had a timeline of dates yeah like what or if we knew what year it was and then we knew like what year we were going back to even in the visions even if you wanted to break that fourth wall and just give us like what year yeah just so that because because it's it's already a lot of work to keep all these characters in your heads. It's made more difficult by the fact that a lot of these characters have multiple names. They change appearance, and it's hard to assign that appearance or name to a timeline. I, I don't even under, I don't even know like where in the timeline we're at. So it's just bouncing around. And maybe if I could really reach here, like maybe we're supposed to be confused because that's how Caden feels. Oh. Right? Like Caden is also really stirred up right now. Like he's really confused. And but it's huh. like that's a really, really, really fine line to walk because yeah. I as the reader am getting frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> and and my life isn't on the like the world isn't on the line here for right. me. I'm just reading a book. Like <laughs> Caden's whole existence and and, and identity and my boundaries doing just fine. <laughs> my boundary is totally okay. I 100% agree with you. And there's there's like times that I'm like, oh, okay, this isn't a very important scene, like the ambassador scene, or what I originally thought was the bar scene, which you just said you didn't think was very important, where he re-meets her and then turns out to be important later. So sometimes my brain like doesn't assign enough value to certain events because I'm like, oh, well, right. this is like the fourth vision quest memory like thing that we've had in the last... 20 30 pages so i just i don't know i'll just breeze over it sometimes and then about oh actually really needed that was a really important conversation between asar and caden also i agree with you on the christian vibe thing i think l and also l is a hebrew word for god oh i didn't know that yeah it's like aleph lamed um, that's interesting in the, in the i wonder if james islington is jewish i don't know but i got a i got like a l is god and Shemayloth is Satan sort of thing. Totally. And I'm kind of getting like a venerate angel vibe. Maybe, or like a Valar from, yeah. uh, or um, like what are they What are they called in um, in Stormlight Archive? The, the Heralds, right? Like the Knights Radiant and stuff. So I'm getting that vibe a lot too. But it is a cool twist on it that uh, it's, you know, for this book is that the venerate seem like, like Caden has gotten now a couple different nods to the idea that we need to get rid of the venerate, right? 
where like they all need to die for the world to so maybe uh Asiliar is one of the venerate and maybe all of the venerate are like crazy now is that a thing like definitely she is she's <laughs> i feel she's so lost it. in the weeds Dude, she is definitely losing it. Um, I'm really glad during your recap, you said the line of the venerate need to die in order for everything to be fixed and for for hope for the world to continue or something like that. You had a really good sentence. And I was like, okay, good. There was a conversation that happened where a lot of that was said and like hinted at, but I didn't take away that exact thing. And that I think is the point of that conversation. I think it's between Asar and Caden. Or maybe it happens when Caden has a vision. I don't know, lots of visions. But uh, real quick before the next synopsis, I mean, Weir was attacked by a group of assassins, which I thought was definitely interesting in and of itself. And then they were all controlled by Siner, which, you know, the plot continues to thicken. It is chunky peanut butter, my friend. Over <laughs> <laughs> so do you think Siner's a venerate? And do you think the Shadrahim no is a venerate? I could see maybe the Shadrahim being I a venerate for sure. I think um, this is like another kind of, and maybe I'm super wrong, right? I didn't write this series. I don't know. But I feel like some characters maybe could have been combined. Right? <laughs> like, I think Siner and whoever the actual Shadrahin is, it's like, why do the whole thing where like Shiner was Siner was pretending to be the Shadrahin? Like, that plot like, didn't need another level of intrigue. I've, and maybe if I had read these books over and over and over again, and, and I knew them very intimately, I'd be able to tell you exactly why. But from where I'm sitting, it's like, ah, did we really? So when, when we're, where is at dinner? And it's this really interesting scene. It's nice. I'm seeing Weir kind of interacting with a girl that they kind of want him to get with. And it's it's just cool. It's a really cool scene. And then assassins come in and it's like, oh, we just made this even cooler. And then twice as cool. And then all the assassins start killing each other. And it's like, wow, this is really interesting. And then it's Siner, and I'm like, oh yeah, that guy. You know, and it kind of just made the whole thing like a cartoon for me, you know? Where <laughs> that's like, oh, all right, well. I I forgot that Siner was even a thing, and okay, now he's like he basically gives where like the we're not so different, you and I. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's and, exactly what he gives him. Oh, that was wonderful. He's like, I know you've heard bad things about me, but really, our aims are the same. <laughs> right. I, I mean, it is still really interesting that we're. I like this like mystery that Weir is trying to uncover about the tenants and about his dad and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's all really interesting, and I'm excited to see more about that. You know. Right, because that's his, his whole purpose, right? Is you need to know some things, like because we don't know, and and I've this I've had this burning question the whole time, but it hasn't really been asked by anyone, so I just assumed that I missed something, but I didn't actually. It is a plot point. Um, we're just now getting to it of like, how did the tenants come into being? What is the magic behind this vessel that literally prevents everyone who's gifted from acting a certain way and non gifted? Right. It's like the most powerful vessel. We're definitely gonna find out. I mean, if if Islington has done anything, like I totally trust that he is going to uncover this information. I do think that the way that it's being brought up is a little convoluted in that I think he's just biting off a little more than we're all comfortable chewing, personally, or at least that I'm comfortable chewing. Right when I get comfortable with one mystery, he just throws another one on us. Yeah, I'm cozy with it, and then he turns all Silmarillion on me, and I'm like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I'm not trying to actually yeah. learn Elvish, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I go, I bounce back and forth. Like, sometimes I think that these books could be shorter, and then sometimes I think it should be seven or eight books. Yeah, because sometimes I don't feel like I understand the importance of a role or a position or an event that happens. Um, and I'm like, oh, I wish that he would have, like, built that a little bit more. So when it happened, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, because everyone in the story is like, what? And I'm like, oh, okay. 
<laughs> so the ultimate goal of the side that Caden is not on, the venerate side, is to is to destroy fate, right? Right. Because that's actually enslaving everybody. It's kind of like pre predetermined. Yeah, I think that what there's a lot of like morally gray yeah. things happening here, which I like. I think it's really cool. It's asking a lot of questions that don't need answers. I, I feel like at some point in this trilogy, like I'm gonna pick a side. Yes. Right. Which is cool. I really, really like that a lot. I like that. I think that what what we're trying to do here is go through quite a bit of Caden's backstory or Tal Kamara's or Archive Debates. Five thousand so years. Well, I mean, but we're getting we're getting both sides of a story here. Which, if you look at a lot of kind of more um, conventional old epic fantasy, and I'll just throw out Lord of the Rings as a as an example, there are moral absolutes in those books. Like Sauron is very bad. Aragorn is very good. We are not asking questions about this. No. And I've, I've noticed that in some other contemporary fantasy too, is that it's almost like you as the reader kind of get to decide who's right here, what the right move would have been. That is really interesting. It's just, it's a little, it's like, it's a little covered up with, I just don't know what to prioritize and I can't prioritize everything. There's yeah. too much. There's yeah. too much going on. We can't have a bunch of peaks. I need some valleys. Right. And if I if I really did have one criticism, well, one standout criticism for this series is that it is just so complicated. It's so and not in a way that I can't understand what's happening. I mean, I I feel like I've got a pretty decent grasp on what's going on here. It's just it's like by the time I made I, by the time enough information is revealed for me to come to any sort of realization, I forgot why that realization is even significant. Yes, you know, and it's just you—you you oh. nailed it when you said that the two characters could become one, because there's too many layers of intrigue. Yeah, you know, all the plot points are good. His backstory is great. He needs to have it. We need to know, but. There's so much of it. We're getting lost in the sticks trying to remember like, okay, the signer is different than the Shadrahim who, but sometimes he's called the Shadrahim because not everybody knows that. And then all of these different names. And actually there's the Venerate who like Caden used to be on their side, but now is not because they're trying to destroy fate, which means they need to die there. It's just, it bounces around a lot. And I feel like we could use the exact same plot, but just like simplify around out the edges just a little bit. Cause I'm getting getting a little confused certainly and there's and there's so many names you know he'll have like a really important conversation especially Caden um in these in this I don't know 250 pages or so he has multiple like whoa like major world building major historical maiden care major character development um conversations and every one of them is a huge not only knowledge dump but a term dump as well and they're terms that I'm not familiar with and take me, you know, a couple times to learn how to even articulate them properly. And so, yeah, I, I just wish we could simplify things a little bit because not enough time is spent on making me care for the amount of information given. Is that, that makes sense? It does make sense. And obviously, we don't want to just, like, sit here and tear this book to shreds. No, I like it. This is a really ambitious series, for, especially for a debut author. This is incredible. That he was in, I don't know how, like, he must have had a room full of whiteboards and Dude. notebooks, right? I feel like I'm, like, I feel like, uh, like, Charlie in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia when he's, like, 
connecting all those <laughs> maps and and notebooks and stuff on the, on the wall and I, and I feel crazy and I'm like smoking a cigarette this is this is quite the achievement it really is I just think that he spent so long on this story that he's in his own head and he understands its nuances so well he forgets that we don't and so right. I'm yeah. lost in kind of the sea of nuances and I think he's like oh this is brilliant look at this little twist on this like subplot and Unfortunately, there's so many of those that it may be brilliance. I'm just missing it because there's so much of it. And so I feel like it's almost like a, like, I'm, I don't know. I I almost feel like I need to read it twice, you know? Well, and it's, I I mean, I feel like, you know, I've tackled stuff like, and I haven't read the whole series, but I know that you've read most of the Malazan books. Yeah. Right. And I've read a few of them and those are complicated in their own way too. But it's like, it's like a different kind of complexity. Yeah. Like, I really care about the Malazan, but I didn't, like, in Malazan, I didn't even kind of learn until how their magic works until, like, the third book. Yeah. I was like, what is this? These, like, these other realms that they're pulling energy? Like, what? But, but it didn't so matter. so overwhelmingly interesting, <laughs> yeah. right? And I'm not saying that these books aren't interesting, but it's just, like, it's kind of saying that. <laughs> what? There's not enough time know. spent in the care side. I need, I need time. I need quality time spent so I can care. And then I'll be very interested in in the knowledge that he gives. But some it's just he moves from knowledge dump to knowledge dump so fast and I'm like, give me some time to get to know what El and Shemaloth and the the God and the good and the bad and figure out all where I'm standing with it and before hitting me with like another boom, you know? And you know what? Like the first book was pretty cool and i think that eilington isn't you know if if this was a if the third book wasn't out yet and we didn't know when it was going to come out i would be really really hesitant i'd be actually to read any of this i would <laughs> probably not even want to because i wouldn't i wouldn't know right like i kind of really trust james eilington like I, I really feel like anything that i don't understand right now is going to be elaborated on later and mm-hmm. if that's his style, that's his style. But personally, it's not making for a very entertaining read. I would agree. I will give him credit in that he, the one thing he does well is he doesn't hold on. To, he, there's too many secrets, but he doesn't hold on to them for, you know, some shows will, shows and movies and books will just like, they'll keep one little nugget from you the whole time. And you're like, oh, we're going to learn. Oh, we're not going to learn. Oh, we're going to, oh, no, we're not going to learn. And he'll actually reveal things like, nope. Where's the prince? Okay, cool. You know, he like holds it for not too long. And so I, like you, like you said, you trust him. I trust him. And then real quick before the next synopsis, there was a really awesome bit of a Caden chapter where Caden's kind of wandering through, I think the wilderness or something. Then he feels his essence draining and he sees those four pillars in the distance and kind of goes and passes out next to them. And I was, I really didn't know exactly what was going on there. But I thought that was an awesome visual. What did you think about that? I agree. Like we've said a few times, you know, I, I want I want some time spent with things so I can recognize the significance. And when he passes out, and then right when he's passing out, and he sees the eyes open. I was like, Ooh. totally. Like it, like sh- right. I was like, yeah, give me some like shivers. You know, like the hairs stood up on my arms. I was like, yes, okay, that's what I want. I like the Caden story a lot, and I think one of the reasons for it is we're kind of along the ride with him we're discovering himself and the ability to overcome one's own one's own mistakes we're like learning these lessons with him we're like holding hands as we're going down his road i I just really like how it's being portrayed to us because he's he has no idea what his plan is but he wrote into his past or his past self wrote into his present plan 
stages and things that he needed to learn so he could accomplish stuff, but he has no idea what it is. And so like every time he gets out the portal box, it's like, here we go. <laughs> like what's going to happen? It is really cool to kind of see this whole redemption arc for Caden. Yeah, for sure. It's like uh, he's got like a, a random die, you know, that like every time he pulls out that portal box, it's just like, let's shake the story up a little bit. And I like that. I know. It's fun. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being alive for four or five thousand oh. years and you've got this ability to kind of access some sort of random memory? Then you were like, <laughs> like, well, here we go. Let's see how terrible I was Okey two dokey. thousand years yeah. ago. <laughs> oh, wow. I murdered everyone. Yeah. Okay. Millions and dead he... on my watch. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wakes up in a cold sweat, and he's like, "Ooh, that was crazy!" And then he yeah. just does it again. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So with that, let's head into our second synopsis, Chad. All right. Asha, lost underground, is eventually able to follow Asiliar and Valir again. She then witnesses Asiliar's attack on Valir when Asiliar leaves Valir severely wounded. Asha speaks briefly with the Shateth before killing it. She escapes and hides the sword elsewhere in the catacombs, having been warned by Valir that Asiliar will be able to track her otherwise. Davian, believing that he is being followed by an augur in Prith, discovers that Aaron and Fessy have been tailing him in the hopes that Siner, whom they wish to bring to justice for Cole's death in Ilan Alan, would eventually approach him. They also tell Davian that they are concerned about the existence of what appears to be an auger-proof area at the center of the toll. Davian agrees to ask the council about this mysterious area, but returns to find that Rohan, a newly arrived auger, has achieved instant popularity within the toll. It quickly becomes apparent that Rohan's talent is a form of control, causing everyone who hears him to be convinced of the truth of his words. Davian alone is able to resist. Rohan imprisons Davian in a Khan-proof cell within Tol Shen. Davian, needing Khan to be able to draw essence from his surroundings to survive, manages to create an artificial reserve of essence within himself before being sealed in. Despite the dangers supposedly inherent in using Khan within his own body, Davian does not appear to suffer any ill effects from the act. Wurr travels to his family estate in Darentel in the hope of finding his father's journal. He receives a cold welcome from his mother and is quickly confronted by Brishada, the hunter who has been following him, and she asks him for help as she herself has become a gifted. So that was a lot. A lot, a lot has happened in chapters 9 through 17. What did you think about Aaron and Fessy catching up with Davian? I thought that was really rad. I was just glad they weren't new characters. I was like, yes, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> People that I know. And I liked Aaron, too. I really liked Aaron from the first book. And Fessy. I like both of them quite a bit. Yep, I like their little interplay. It's good. I always really like that in books when there's one or two characters that I really, really like that have been separate for most of the book or the series. And then you finally get to see them together interacting. So seeing Aaron and Davian interacting was really cool. Bravo. Yeah, that was an awesome part. Yeah, I totally agree. I will say, you know, this is, and you know, this is true to Davian style for sure. You know, it, it was, it was reminiscent of the scene where in the first book where the guy, where and Davian are trying to get smuggled across the river. And that guy's like, don't answer the door to anyone but me. And then someone's like, no, it's really me. It's not him. But like, it's, it's good. He told me to do this. And then it's like, of course it's a trap and it is a trap. 
Um, Damien, <laughs> learning no lessons, just like instantly believes <laughs> Aaron and Fessy. Also, once again, someone coming to Davian for help who decides to start off by attacking him. The poor guy, dude. You can't catch a break. Every time someone wants something from him, they're like, hey, dude, I know you have a truck, so I really want you to help me move this weekend, but I'm going to start by, like, breaking your kneecap first. <laughs> we just really needed to get your attention. Yeah, dude. <laughs> no biggie. Davian's a busy guy. Got to poison him for an appointment. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. And, like, they hit him on the back of the head. Do you know how hard it? you have to hit someone on the back of the head? Like, not super hard, but you could do some serious damage to someone. Um, yeah. You know, anyway, I just thought, <laughs> I was like, whatever. I know we're digging into this, but I don't know if we need to dig that hard. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. I just feel bad for him. Every time someone he yeah. doesn't know comes up to him to try to get help from him or something, he, uh, he ends up getting hurt by them. He's just like, guys, like, <laughs> can you just ask? Yeah, he's such a nice guy. He's very approachable. But I really like that there were known entities. They come back into the story after going who knows where, you know, they didn't explain. They were just like, we're out of here back on Ill and Alon. And they're trying to get revenge, it seems like. Yes, yeah. And they've got right. kind of a for really cold. cool, yeah, they're not just like, well, we're trying to go figure out what this boundary and they're not, I don't know. I, I understand what they're doing and it's simple right. and it's nice. They're like, yep, this dude killed our friend and he's more than what he appears to be and we're out to get him and we're trying to use you as bait. And I'm like, yeah, word, I get that. I like that oh. a lot. I'm glad that they're back. And I'm glad that Davian gets to meet him because, you know, Davian showed up at a very tumultuous time in Ill and Alon. Like, he didn't get to meet anybody. He shows up and basically no. blind attack right away. You know, they've got the proof that, you know, he was like, they were, they were like, yeah, we're good friends with Asha. And him believing everyone was just like, yeah, no, she told me about you. It's all good. Uh, which I would have, like, asked a question or two. You're like, well, you know, is Asha left-handed or right-handed? Or I don't know, something. <laughs> What's your favorite ice cream? But, you know. It's going to work out for Davey, and it always does. He's just got so much on his mind. He just has to, he's <laughs> got to be out here trusting people. What did you think about the Rowan character? Were you like instantly suspicious because he was, came off as that like guy who's too good at everything or it, what were your thoughts? That whole thing was really weird because Davian kind of was suspicious of him immediately. And then he was exactly, he lived exactly up to those suspicions. Definitely. Immediately. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, kudos to Davian for figuring that out really quickly. But it just, I don't know. It seemed like, like, I guess we could have, I, I mean, I feel like they could have drug that out a little bit more. It's like the first time they even, like, see him, everyone's like, he's amazing. And Davian's like, I don't know, something's off about him. And then he <laughs> gets knocked out again. Oh, dude, he just loses and, consciousness all the time. <laughs> and then he wakes up and he's like, ah, you're really actually bad. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I guess. This has been like five pages or something of this all happened kind of fast. I don't. It was okay. It was, it was cool. I don't really know. Um, the, I don't, I don't, what's like the significance of is he is he controlling the council? Yes. Yeah, so Rowan yeah, has okay. like the opposite of Davy. Well, not the opposite, but it, it, they say it's like kind of the the counter to Davian's totally, ability, yeah. and that like everyone believes everything he says. So he probably just waltzed in there, was like, "Hey guys, this is who I am, and I'm so awesome, and you're gonna love me." And then they all. But who's do. he being controlled by? who rowan is uh rowan's not being controlled no rowan's control but what side is rowan on oh he's on his own side he's just like that asshole dude who's like really pretty who shows up i'm like i don't know it's a, it's a he's a speed bump in the parking lot i think his arc's gonna be short and bright but so you really think that like the whole point of rowan being there is that he's just an opposite to davian no i think his point is be is to 
show the elders that they need Davian and give him a little bit of inner circle, uh, a door to their inner circle. I think maybe because he's going to obviously save the day because they're everyone else. You know, he's the only one unaffected by his the other guy's power. So I think that it's going to get Davian in the inner circle, maybe. So Rowan is an auger that shows up because of the amnesty, right? Yes, because they put out like, okay. come one, come all augers. Okay, cool. And so he, this is something that I was a little unclear on, right? Because I thought that Rowan was like another antagonist being introduced that's kind of on someone's side. Like maybe I'm so used to everybody having secrets <laughs> right now that when Davian was kind of suspicious of Rowan, I, I kind of thought he's working with the Shateth or something. Yeah, okay. Right. Like I didn't know. Yeah, maybe he's maybe he's working with the Shadrahin or the or or Asiliar or something. Right, but maybe he's a little more tame of a character than that. I got the impression he was just a jerk off who shows up and is used to everyone doing exactly what he says. And okay. uh, yeah. I think the introduction of the Rowan character is going to be short and bright, and it's going to be used as the vehicle for Davian to save the day and maybe garner some respect or like a, a door to the inner circle of the Tolshen Council, maybe. Yeah, and it was interesting how he had control over Shell. To a certain extent. Yeah. I gotta give my kudos to James on this one because he right when I think he's going in a direction, he turns the other. I was like, oh, it's Shell standing behind him and she's gonna save Davian. And then totally doesn't. And right. <laughs> like yeah. prevents Davian from doing anything. And it's like, whoa. Mm -hmm. What did you think about the conversation between Asha and Valire? It was weird. So I've always kind of seen the Shateth as like Nazgul-like characters, like right. not really capable of a conversation. You know, like right. I think that the Shateth are kind of victims of the description yeah. that they were given. Uh, yeah, I thought the whole like, the whole conversation was kind of brief. Mm -hmm. um, I wish and like that sword is special for some reason, but we do, we don't know why yet. I, it seems like Lycanius and what was the name of that sword? Knowledge. I think it was Knowing. Knowing. Um, yeah. I think Lycanius and Knowing, and maybe, the, I think it hinted at like a few more swords yeah. being made, right? So it seems like Asiliar has or had Knowing. And was Knowing the sword that Asiliar stabbed uh, Asar with, or was that Lycanius? That was Lycanius. Yeah, okay. that was Lycanius. So she just, she just had I'm pretty knowing. sure. Anyway. Oh, oh, no, that wasn't. She snatched that wasn't it from... But that wasn't Asiliar that stabbed Asar. Yes, I don't think so. I do not think so, yeah. There's already so many connections to make, I don't need to be making up. Yeah, because I think, I, I'm, and I could be wrong on this, but I'm quite certain that Asilioth is one of the Venerate um, who has mm -hmm. gone kind of crazy. You know, the um, Valer mentions that she's been sleeping for a long time and kind of lost her mind yeah. down in the catacombs or something. And then the, the not Caden's wife, Caden's wife shows up and she's the Ath, which I don't know what totally. that is, but yeah. someone from like the Darklands, which is where the essence is pulled from i think i don't know why i'm so uh that's where con comes Khan from, comes from. okay yeah okay and i picture the dark lands as kind of like an alternate dimension same right kind of like um the dark world in in like zelda link to the past yeah kind of like, a, like a mirrored world maybe or something totally um, like, which raises yeah. all kinds of questions about davian because of his abilities with con right so yeah so that's that's a whole other bucket of worms or can of worms or whatever i like what he does with time i like time magic if somebody asked me to sell them these books i would just say time magic time magic can you imagine how awesome it would be to be able to go into like step out of the the timeline for a second you know that would just be a great power to have 
I would never be late for work. Remember that old movie, Clock Stoppers? Yeah. <laughs> or wasn't there like a Justin Timberlake movie where they were able to stop time? I don't know. But I should know because I do love me some love me some JT. Some JT, hang on. He's so talented. He can sing. He can rap. He can dance. He can act. It's like, is there anything that he can't do? Uh, it's called In Time. In Time. Oh, okay. 2011 thriller. The 37 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh. In a future where time is money and the wealthy can live forever, <laughs> Justin Timberlake is a poor man who rarely has more than a day's worth of life on his time clock. When he saves Henry Hamilton from Time Thieves, Will receives, or Justin, receives the gift of a century. However, such a large transaction attracts the attention of the the authorities. (laughs) And when Justin Timberlake is falsely accused of murder, he must go on the run, taking the daughter of an incredibly wealthy man with him. That was a bit old sidetrack. Yeah, but you know okay. what? We're talking about time magic. Maybe, maybe for further viewing, everyone after Lycanians go watch In Time, starring Justin Timberlake and Amanda Seyfried. As convoluted as the first couple hundred pages of the second entry in a trilogy can be, was there anything that was made clear to you while reading? It's clear to me that Weir is kind of on his own in this whole situation. I mean, he, I, Asha is kind of on his side, but Asha's dealing with a whole myriad. Of different things and so weir gets to his family estate and his mom isn't even on his side so knowing where weir stands in his current position as north warden is very concrete to me and i'm excited to kind of see what happens moving forward with him because i like weir a lot me too and i feel for him i feel bad that nobody's on his side his family is not on his side his dad just died he has a lot of questions and his ability to get answers is proving to be more difficult all the time and it's so sad when you think like because he'll be like well at least my dad came around in the end and you're like well he kind of didn't though right because it was um Aaron was controlling him totally and giving him you know Aaron was like he kind of became like a part of me my ideas started to become his ideas my words became his words over time of me controlling him and so I wonder if that's ever going to get revealed and like a big part of me hopes it doesn't and it's just right. kind of forgotten about because like man I really like word I feel so bad for him like where is all alone but there is an awesome character that they've introduced that I freaking love and it's Andon who again a names d and n's he just loves his a d's you're and right like, and in totally the guard forgot. is so cool right. man he's just like there wow, how can i forget Andon? dude he's like he's like this a simple character that i can really latch on to that honestly the story needs because everyone is complicated everyone's hiding things from other people and have these really like nuance filled backstories and character arcs and he's just a simple dude trying to get his job done and he really cares and man i like him how could i forget Andon? Yeah, he's so good. He took an arrow for Wurr. And then he's like all concerned when Wurr gets in the carriage and Wurr's like, you shouldn't be working. He's like, I know I failed you. And he's like, no. And you he kind of messes with him me. a little bit. Yeah. And at first I thought he was going to be like one of the venerate or he's going to have a deeper part to him. And I, I don't think he is now that I've read more and in interaction. I think he's just a good, solid, simple character. And I'm really enjoying him. What about you? Was there anything for you upon reading that was made clearer? Yeah, and I don't know if it was clearer, perhaps, but it was something that I want to know more about, and I certainly got to learn more about it, was Caden's past. When he's talking to Meldir specifically, he goes out to the Plains of Decay, I think they call it, 
and he meets up with Meldier. We have that awesome scene where Caden loses consciousness just again. And he goes to, he goes to sleep while the eyes are opening and then he wakes up in like the torture device of all torture devices that thing was horrific like a bunch mm-hmm. of needles like a thousand like, needles yeah. yeah and then we kind of learned that Caden put him in there to fuel the boundary right like it's like hinted yeah. at like it's not said this explicitly but i think it like that slowly w- drains essence yeah exactly but it's like somehow it also has to be just a horrific device while it's doing that and he's been in there for centuries you know he asked Caden like how long was i in there and Caden's like uh does it matter <laughs> it's actually really funny i actually really enjoyed the way that Caden's trying to like learn about his past by not asking questions about his past because he doesn't want to reveal through most of that um, interaction. He's trying to not reveal how ignorant of himself and his own plans he actually is. And then finally, at the end, he just kind of comes clean and he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I know very little. And he asks him, he's like, do you know what the siphon is? And the other guy laughs at him and he's like, dude, you really don't even know your own plan, you know? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, but I like what you said in uh, just a little bit ago where you're saying, maybe James Eilington is allowing us a window into how he's feeling by giving us these little blotchy chunks of his backstory. And we're like, what is going on? So there's this whole section where Meldier is telling him and allows him to actually experience from his own point of view, Caden's destruction of the Dirisian civilization. You know, tens of million people live in this huge city. They're way advanced in technology and philosophy and art and Caden, for some reason, needs to destroy them to accomplish his plan and does so. But I, I feel like I could have had explained the why. Why did he need to destroy them? Like the other guy was like, yeah, I, under, I even understand your motivations, but I do not forgive you. And I was like, what, what, what were his motivations again? Am I missing something that I'm supposed to remember or, or do I just not know yet? So you were clear up until that point? No, I just wanted to know more of his backstory. And I like that I'm learning more of it, but it it's also giving me more questions. I don't know. It's very, I'm like very interested. So I enjoy like getting those windows into his backstory. Um, I know it's almost kind of a premature question to ask. Like, are you clear on anything right yeah, now? Yeah, like, no, I'm not. Only 200 pages into the second <laughs> yeah. Every piece of information that I learned had five more questions that I'm asking now, which is good. I'm intrigued. But I have read online that the end of this trilogy is one of the most satisfying endings to a series of a lot of series that people have read a lot of popular ones so that's helping a lot because it seems to be the general kind of thrust of opinion online is that while these books are pretty complicated and convoluted and slow and plotting sometimes the end of the third book apparently just wraps everything up so so well so that paired with Arlington already kind of doing that in the first book in a way and doing a pretty solid job at wrapping up the mysteries and questions and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've said it before. Yeah. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. You know, he definitely follows through on his promises. He asks a lot of questions, but he does answer them eventually. And I, and I have confidence that he will do that um, with this. It's weird that these books are so complicated because when they started, I was like, perfect. We're in for a classic running and hiding camping and you know this is like very similar to many 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 other books that i've read and then it's so not it's very much not i know i think it is but it's not i was it really was it really turned out to be much more than i thought it was going to be yes it's not a bad thing no 
You know, I mean, for our first outing on the podcast, while we're still trying to figure out how to do the recaps and, you know, a structure to all of these episodes, everybody, uh, we really appreciate you sticking with us and maybe watching as Chad and I go through a little, uh, go over some speed bumps and complain. And, <laughs> and I'm sure that there are people that have read these books all the way through, maybe even a couple times by now by the time that they're listening to these episodes and they're just like you guys are idiots you you guys (laughs) you you have no idea what you're talking about i think it's partly my own fault too but it's like a it's like his writing style which is not bad but his writing style does not match my brain's natural abilities which are the things that i'm bad at which is remembering and so i always blame myself naturally when i don't understand an element in the story because i'm like "Ah, i'm probably supposed to remember something that i just totally don't and, and I feel like that a lot while I'm reading this. Yeah, me sure. too. But yeah. I think after going back, sometimes sometimes I'll like go back through it and be like, okay, let's find that little bit of information that will make this make sense. And then I can't. And so I'm like, oh, right. I don't actually think that it's been given to me yet. This isn't right. my fault, but I blame myself constantly. That's a really good way of summing up the experience of reading these books, for sure. So you look back and you're like, oh, he didn't elaborate on that. That's just the mystery box. Yeah. Again. Kind of makes you second guess your own attention span yeah, like, doesn't the... help that i'm also reading three other books right now yeah same um you know is the boundary a wall or is it a magic barrier is it like the the ice wall of the north in game of thrones like, i'm not really sure but i really I think want to know like i go, think it's like an invisible barrier okay i know go, i want to i want to see it maybe at the end of this book i hope it. so but uh yeah i think that's going to wrap it up for us today on the book reviews kill podcast thank you so much for sitting reading along with us this has been another excellent entry in an already exciting series. And I'm excited to see where it goes from here, even if I am a little bit confused right now. Me as well. And I have a little bit of an announcement to make. Uh, it won't come to fruition for another month or so, but I want you guys thinking about it right now and sending us stuff. So I've been in contact with James Islington, and he does, you know, he's not a, he doesn't want to come onto the podcast and reveal his face. He said he's not a talker, he's more of a writer type. But he did say that he would be happy to answer questions that we had or any of our listeners had. So if you want to know something about James, anything at all, please email it to book.reviews.kill at gmail.com. We plan on wrapping up these episodes by answering some of those questions that you may have had for James. And yeah, I think it would be a kind of a cool, like poetic way to end it. So and I was just really stoked that he responded to me. He was a really nice guy, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm interested to hear his take and his answers for some of the questions we all have. Yeah, I have some questions, so I'm going to be making my own, but everyone else should make their own too. Please shoot them to me and I'll give you a credit. Of course, when I'm asking, I'll be like, Bob from Kentucky has this question and we'll, uh, we'll get an answer for you, Bob. <laughs> thanks, Bob. And thanks to all of you. We really appreciate you listening. We appreciate your time and we will definitely see you on the next episode. The link to our Patreon is in the description. And we hope you have an amazing day. Cheers, everyone.